Hello, and welcome to the Monthly Comic Spotlight on the Comic Book Page Podcast. My name is John Mann. In this episode, we'll be discussing recently released comics. One from DC, one from Marvel, and at least one other. As always, we'll keep major spoilers to a minimum, but we'll discuss general plot points and storylines of the comics we review. In this monthly comic spotlight, I am joined by James, and we're going to discuss some of the comics we got in April 2022. James, how you doing tonight? I'm doing well. How are you doing, John? I am doing all right. This was not a particularly big month for me, and I'm not sure why that was. Me too, and I don't know what happened, but I only received 81 comics. I only got, I think, 63. Wow, that's a lot less. And, like, the first week, I only got, like, two things from DC. Wow. Really? Yeah, I, I... I don't know what was going on with that. Yeah, I don't have mine sorted by week, so I don't know how many I got that first week. I've got it to where I do a grid now where I've got each of the weeks and then DC, Marvel, other, and the total number of comics and the cover price just so I can kind of see what's going on. Oh. And for the month, it was like 19 DC, 19 Marvel, 25 other. Oh, wow. Yeah. For like 63 total. And I'm like, well, that's that's low. I mean, the biggest, biggest week I had was 18 comics. Yeah, I just got my latest shipment, which is for May, mm-hmm. and I didn't get very many in that shipment either. Yeah. It, it seemed like April, every one of the weeks was pretty small until that last week. We got quite a few, like 20-something for me, and then and then it went back to being really small again, so I don't know what's going on. The variance week-to-week for me wasn't that much. It was 16 the first week, 15, 14, 18. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, I, yeah. I got a bigger one, so I, I don't know what's going on. Who knows? <laughs> I mean, I, I'm trying to be a little more selective, but I don't really feel like I'm I'm cutting back that much, if at all. Yeah, I'm wondering if things are just getting caught up in, you know, I hate saying it, but supply chain stuff. Because I, I, the Marvel catalog is huge. But then when we get the order form, you know, let's say a quarter of the stuff in there was re-solicited, so it wasn't even on the order form. And it seems like this month the magazine got a little bit smaller. Maybe they said we're just going to not solicit as much stuff, just what we can do. I definitely think supply chain is an issue, and I do notice in the catalogs, both DC and Marvel, where it's like, oh yeah, this was actually last month, so we're just mentioning it again because we've got the pages or something. Yeah, exactly. I called out one thing in the previous spotlight, then I saw it again, I was like, oh, maybe should I do another one? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't yeah, know. I don't know, but it's nice. They cut back for me, so I read some manga, and I got caught up on my trade paperback, so I'm cool. It's giving me time to do some other stuff, so yeah, I'm I'm okay with it. Yeah, if Marvel and DC want to keep cutting back for me, continue. Go right ahead. <laughs> yeah, well, I, you know, I'd rather they would actually up the quality of some of their material than cutting back. I mean, sometimes doing one leads to the other or whatever, but I don't know. Yeah, I, I know exactly what you mean. I'm ready for better stuff in the future than what, than what we got last month. Yeah. Or April. April, I should say. In April, last I would agree. We're recording that. in May, but yeah, April. <laughs> so for DC, how did things look for you? Let me filter my list of DC. I got all my stuff up. Okay, with DC, I have 23 comics. Wow, I have more than you, didn't I? Yeah, I only had 19. How in the heck did I get 23? Okay, I, I actually, there wasn't as much stuff that I didn't like. There was one thing that I really didn't care for, and quite a few that I did enjoy... So I don't want to say it got better, but over half is kind of like the so-so category. And about, it looks like about 40% I liked. For me, there was only two things that fell into the not-so-good category. 
a lot of it was in the, yeah, this is solid, and some of it was in the, this is actually good. Oh, okay. Yeah. What did you not care for? Because I'll give you my bad one to start. Well, there's there's two things, and I'll start with the less bad of the two. Okay. And that was Wonder Woman 786, and oh. part of it, Trial of the Amazons Part 5. It's like the only part of the Trial of the Amazons I got this month, I think. Chapter of a story I'm not fully reading, no attempt to get me up to speed for the story already in progress. I skipped the backup feature because, well, I just, I've really not been liking them in this title. Okay. So it's like, yeah, this just had multi- and it was a four ninety nine comic. Oh, uh, yeah, that makes it even worse. Yeah, insult to injury there. And, I mean, three ninety nine without the backup, I would have liked it a little more, but honestly, I don't think that would have changed my grade at all. Uh, that makes sense. My, the one that I didn't like was Refrigerator Full of Heads, the last issue of that. It, it, it started off as kind of like a fun comic, you know, playing off the Basket Full of Heads thing, yeah. which Basket Full of Heads was good the whole way through. This one progressively became less fun and got just more, you know, look at this cool thing we did, and it, it just didn't work for me. I'm like, it's done. It was the last issue. I'm happy it's over. I can understand that. Yeah, so th- that was the one that I was just like, eh. And then I, I do see some of the stuff on here that I probably got that you did not get. Well, I, I do want to mention this other one that I thought was just Yeah, what was the other one? train wreck of a comic. <laughs> Teen Titans Academy number 14. Oh, I didn't get that. And you said, depending on which way it goes. Oh, they went down the direction I I was afraid they were going to go down. And it's one that this will get undone. But even so, it will have always have happened in some sense. Ah. And I mean, the ship had already sailed on that, I guess. And I'm like, man, this, what were they thinking? Why did they do this? The fact they even teased it earlier and, you know, it's taken a year, over a year to get here is kind of annoying. And then I'm still wondering, did they ever really reveal who Red X was? And I just, like, I don't know, missed it, slept through it, or repressed the memories because the, the series has been so not so good? <laughs> I'll flat out say bad. It has been bad. And the only reason I'm continuing this title is the next issue is the final issue. Ah, so you've just seen it through, putting it to rest. <laughs> putting it to rest. And between this and the Titans United series, I'm actually going to have to consider if I'm going to get the next Titan series they do. And that's something I thought I would never be in a position of saying. Yeah. yeah. I, I, honestly, I can see you saying that because I don't think you've spoken about enjoying one of the issues with the current runs on either title. No, no. I think doing an X-Men Academy sort of a thing with Titans was not a great idea. Some of the stuff they set up in Future State that's now playing out, it's like, words fail me on this. Yeah. It was, it was a horrible idea to begin with. And and to actually not do it as just a potential future, but a here it is now. And again, it, it's not that they've overplayed their hand, like, oh, they kill Superman, he's coming back, sort of a thing. It, 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 you can at least tell an interesting story with that, and they, they have a few times, actually. Here, it's like, who thought this was a good idea? <laughs> and I don't want to give what they've done, but it's like, just unbelievable. Well, I'm happy I didn't read it. I'm happy you didn't read it, too. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. That's a glo- that's a glowing review. No, that that's one readers or people listening should take a, a pay attention to in case they're thinking of picking up the trade. Don't. Don't do it. <laughs> Teen Titans Academy, avoid. But, but I will say, only having two things in this kind of sea and below this month for DC is actually pretty good for DC. Yeah, I would say uh, this was a better month for me for DC, which is... It's a good thing. I mean, I, I wouldn't Smaller say the comics... month, better month. Hmm. 
yeah, less comics equals <laughs> <looks> better. <laughs> Maybe they're just shipping the good stuff. Who knows? I don't know. Well, I, clearly they're not. <laughs> I just talked about two that I did not fall in the good stuff category for me. Yeah, so, yeah. they just fell into something. Who knows? Exception that proves the rule. That's it. But there are comics that I did want to ask you about okay. this month because we had some uh, big things that happened. Justice League 75 where, spoiler alert, although it's not a spoiler because they've announced it everywhere, the Justice League died. What the did you think of The cover of the comic, Death of the Justice League. <laughs> okay, okay. It took an extra long issue to kill the Justice League. Yeah. Something we knew was coming because of the big PR push beforehand and the whole death of the Justice League dominating the cover. And oh, it continues in Dark Crisis when that eventually comes out in, what, two, three months? Yeah, hopefully I remember. What a way to keep the momentum going. <laughs> two to three month hiatus, like an image book. Here we go. Ba-boom. I mean, this is kind of picking up from some of the stuff from the Justice League Incarnate stuff. Yeah, which I wasn't reading, so... Well, yeah, there but... was a little bit of a pause between the end of that and this, and a pause between the beginning of that and Infinite Frontier, 1 through 6, which led into it. And there was a pause before that, back from Infinite Frontier 0. It's like, do something, wait a little bit, let it cool off, do a little, wait a little bit, let it cool off, do a little bit, wait a little bit, let it cool off. And this is not a way to build momentum and excitement. No, I would agree. And I had some questions on this thing, because, so, you know, surprise, they're all dead, but it seems like the new team's already installed. We get to see, you know, who they are, pretty much. Uh, um, again, Future State kind of set up, here's the next Justice League. Yeah, so it's like, no surprise, we all know who these characters should be if you've been paying attention. But but they're not all dead, because, I, I if I'm not mistaken, I saw Black Adam, and I thought he was a member. They were killing off the, well, I can't even say the core Justice League, but the the more iconic members. Not the ancillary ones. Yeah, they've got to leave a few around just to, to tell some of the stories with. Okay. And th then I have two other questions for you. What? Okay. Why is John asking where his dad is? And why <laughs> in the comic, which I thought he knew, he's he in War World. I'm like, why is he asking, where's my dad? And then why is he showing up? He's in the middle of the War World thing. He shows up to die. It's like weird. Continuity. Yeah, I, that gave me a big what-the-hell's-going-on moment. <laughs> well, I mean, this is only leading into the big event. You can't expect this to tie into what's going on in the universe. Yeah, so it was just really weird the way that happened. And then the Green Lantern change with Jon Stewart, Stewart is just super weird. Which they did over in uh, Green Lantern 12. Yeah, what is that not sitting well with you? It was an interesting game changer for the franchise. I mean, at this point, I was expecting the Power Rings to kind of come back, because sure, why not? I mean, that was a, you can't get rid of them forever. It's it's a core part of the franchise. Yeah. If this team didn't do it, somebody else would. And then John's kind of change here was interesting and not the least bit unprecedented. But is this going to spawn out a new title that'll coexist with the Green Lantern stuff? Is it going to replace the Green Lantern stuff? We don't have anything on the horizon, so... Are we going to have to wait till the end of Dark Crisis to find out in, I don't know, six months or something? Who knows? <laughs> I just, if, if the entire point of this series was to get to this moment, it was too long and too drawn out. I agree. It wasn't bad. I mean, both this and Justice League were enjoyable reads, but not, you know, awe-inspiring or, or making me think, wow, the DC universe is on the rise. Yeah, you know, despite those weird things, like I thought the continuity thing was weird, the Green, mm -hmm. Green Lantern, that, that didn't happen in the Green Lantern thing, but it, it's all weird. But 
I did like the callbacks to Crisis on Infinite Earths, you know, with the shadow monsters. And honestly, I, I don't know how that one character became this powerful. Uh, the central character, the, the guy causing this. Was he always that powerful? Depends which writer you ask, I suppose. Okay, all right. Because I I'd never seen him in that light, so I was like, interesting. Yeah, well, I mean, there have been other times where characters have come out of the woodwork that were nothing characters before, and then suddenly they're a big to-do, either because that writer really liked them or they needed them to be a big to-do or, or whatever. Okay, and that's probably what's happening here, because I'm just like, huh, that's interesting. I mean, part of it is we've got some, some people over at DC, both writers and editors, that don't it's not that they don't seem knowledgeable on the past. Maybe they just don't care. I don't know. But it it's not filling me with the sense of optimism in the future of the DC Universe that I'd like it to be. No, I can understand that. I really can. I mean, yeah. Yeah, I see what you mean by that. And I'm saying that during a month where a lot of the things were either good or really good for DC. Yeah. So tell me the things that you thought were really good, because I, I think I could guess a couple, but go ahead. Actually, the top two this time were Superman, Son of Kal-El, which okay. I thought was actually a really good issue. I mean, granted, the Thunder had been stolen months back, because this is when yeah. Superman Jr. comes out to Lois, and that was yep. all in the news long enough ago that we'd probably all forgotten about it. Yep. And this whole, you know, Batman doesn't trust Superman Jr.'s boyfriend or whatever, it's like, yeah. <laughs> Batman doesn't trust anybody. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And I'm sitting there thinking, does pink hair have powers or not? That's what I'm wondering. I think they've established he does. Yeah, he does. We saw him doing that thing. Yeah. But you kind of see it here, and then it go- they don't talk about it. The other one I really enjoyed was uh, Batman Superman World's Finest, number two. Oh, yeah, yeah. I really enjoyed that, too. I mean, it was a, a fun read, some good interaction between the original Robin and Supergirl. I was surprised to see Billy Batson in the store. I'm looking forward to getting more of this. Yeah, you get Doom Patrol, too, which was kind of cool. Yeah. I, I, I really enjoyed that one. That was a good read. The interesting thing about Nightwing, which is normally our favorite, we had a different artist on there, and it was like a Flash crossover, and I did like the Flash, and I did like the Nightwing, and the stories were good, but this one wasn't as good as the crossover with Superman, Son of Kal-El, I thought. I would agree with that. I mean, it was a nice team up with Flash, and it was an interesting way to deal with the assassins and such, but when we got to the end, and we got a reference to Heartless... We really haven't seen him in... A while. I want to say like 10 issues. Yeah, it it seems like at the beginning of the run almost at this point, yeah. They had a six-issue arc at the beginning of the run that led up to the big reveal of Heartless. Yep. We then took three or four months off for whatever the Batman family thing was. Oh, yeah, that knows. I can't remember. We had the gimmick issue where it's all one panel and stuff, which was a fun issue, but, you know, didn't get back to the Heartless story. And then they've been telling this whole stuff with the uh, Charitable Foundation and stuff, five, six issues now. And it's like, oh, you're, you're, you're going back to Heartless now? Okay, it's only been like eight months or nine months, so okay. That's... Yeah, again, great story <laughs> momentum here, guys. <laughs> that it was, does it kill it, it, yeah. A good issue, but if this had been following up sooner on Heartless, where it's like I still cared? I mean, I kind of do, but you know what I mean. yeah. Like, honestly, I know this is going to read better in a trade. You do, too. How could it not? Yeah, because they don't have that long gap. And those other three issues they'll probably collect in a different collection, you know, and people will kind of breeze over it, and they'll be like, oh, this read really well. And you and I set through the, let's say, seven or eight-month gap, and we're struggling with it. Yeah. Which is unfortunate. Well, again, it doesn't build the story. It really doesn't. Yeah. A whole setup arc for a character that you're not coming back to for seven, eight months? 
Yeah, 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 yeah. And I'll tell you what, though, with the crossover and the Flash, I thought the Flash story was better than the Flash has been because the Flash hasn't been that great. For yeah, well, this this month's Flash, where we get to team up with the two Wally Wests, felt like, and it wasn't, but it felt like a fill-in issue. It did. <laughs> And yet I enjoyed it more than some of the other Flash stories. Well, and it's funny because, I mean, it was it, the title's okay, the story was fine, but this title's not really hitting its groove, if you know what I mean. No, it is not. I, I would say Williamson's Flash was better than the current run, and I can't remember. Is it Thorne is his name? Uh, Jeremy Adams. Is Jeremy Adams. Is. Okay, Thorne is, was the Flash. Oh, yeah, okay, Jeremy Adams. It, 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 he's just not been that good. I, I, I'm not enjoying it that much. Yeah. Yeah, Thorne was over on uh, Green Lantern, actually. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. true. And, and speaking of Green Lantern, that was a nice segue, even though you weren't trying to. Would that change? Did you like it or not? Because that's where we actually got the change, where we saw it again in Justice League with with what happened with John. I'm, I'm okay with it. It's a question of where are they going with it, okay. and are they going to go anywhere? The fact yeah. that, again, we don't know where to follow up with this or when they'll follow up with this is annoying. Yeah, it, I, I felt like issue 12 was the best issue of the entire run, and it wasn't great. It was just... Yeah, it was decent. It was, was I think, the best of the run, but the fact it was a 12-issue run is a little annoying. Yeah. (laughs) And, you know, by the time we get back to John and find out what all this really means for him, are we still going to care? Yes. So I just, the pacing on some of this is what's what's frustrating me. Again, these are good stories and they're enjoyable in the moment, but in the big picture sort of a thing, you know, a year from now, are we going to be, you know, remember when they did this? Or, oh yeah, I guess they did do that then. Yeah, yeah. Now, I I didn't hear you mention Dark Knights of Steel number six. Did you not like that one as much, or did you like it? How was it? I liked it. I thought it was good. It was in the the good category, above average kind of a thing. Yeah, I liked it. I I thought it was good. Fun story. And again, I'm, you know, it's it got me wondering how would this read with the same events but without the DC Universe connections? Yeah, if it didn't have the DC Universe connections, it would be just a so-so story. I think. I don't know. I I think part of what I'm able to read into it of, oh, that's Harley, that's Batman, that's Superman, that's that's whomever. It makes you like it a little bit more. Well, it allows Tom Taylor to use some shorthand on the characters because we know at their core who they are. Yeah, he didn't really flesh out and establish this is who Bruce is and there's Bruce's background. He just said, here's Bruce, but here's the change with Bruce. Boom. Or here's Bruce, here's Alfred, here's Jimmy, here's Clark, here's, you know, whatever. He- yeah, and he just does that little change, and you don't have to know all that history. We know it, and so we just read into it. Boom. Oh, wow. That was a cool change, where he didn't really change anything. Well, and again, I'm enjoying it. I just am curious, if this had been an indie book with different character names, different color uh, coordination sort of a deal, because it's not like they're using the S or the Bat or some of that <laughs> yeah. stuff. Yeah. But you're right because it would have had to, he would have had to slow down the momentum of the story and give you characterization to tell us who these people are and why we should care. Or if, we... it, if it was literally the exact same issues, just with a touch up to the art to take out the bad years or, or a few things like that. You know what I mean? Yeah, interesting. I you know I didn't think about that, and I I'll, I'll tell you what it would be a completely different story if it wasn't in the DCU. It I mean not just because of the characters, but because of the shorthand that like we talked about well it'd be the same story but a totally different read to your point you know what i mean yeah because again we wouldn't be getting the same things we wouldn't be associating the same baggage with it yeah and actually i think i'd be complaining about lack of development in the characters 
Yeah. Because we just – it's assumed in this story. And yeah, <laughs> I'm enjoying it. Me too. I love it. <laughs> but I really came out of this issue wondering that. No, no, that's very true. Interesting. Now, now you got me thinking about that. So ah, you ruined it a little bit for me. I'm just kidding. You not did. my point. Not, not <laughs> my point. If I but want to no, ruin something for you, I'd recommend Teen Titans Academy number 14. I'm going to go out and buy it today. No. No. <laughs> um, now, the other one that – did you like Batman 122? Because you and I both got a little bit of Shadow War stuff, but we're not reading the whole Shadow War thing. Did it make sense for you? It did. It was very chaptery. Yes. Lots of minor progression on multiple plots, and nothing kind of overly satisfying on any one of them, but I was able to piece together what was going on for the most part. All right, cool. Me too. Some of the characters they've they've been fleshing out here, particularly I think it was Respawn, interesting. Don't know if that's the path they should have gone down or not, but it's the one they did. And, you know, it's, it's a good read, but the fact that I'm, I think I'd be liking it more if I was still all in and reading like Deathstroke Inc., yeah, that's how I felt. Like, I read this, and I was like, hey, this is a decent book. And I'm like, it made me almost wonder, maybe I should have read that. But at the same time, I was hating Deathstroke, Inc., but I feel like I'm missing something, too. I don't feel like I should be reading Deathstroke, Inc. because of this. And I think they did a decent enough job giving me what I need to understand it that, yeah. well, I'm sure I'd get more if I'd read the other thing. Yeah. I, I didn't feel, like, totally lost. Yeah, and I kind of felt that way with Robin... 13 it was a pretty good story but once again it's like shadow war stuff you know and so i i didn't have the full picture with robin 13 well this is i guess where we got more on the respawn stuff here not yeah and stuff yeah yeah correct yeah so i felt like batman was a little easier to pick up and robin was a little less easy to pick up for me well because i skipped whatever wherever part three was too i guess that was what deathstroke probably. yeah 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 so yeah guess- same thing there Part of it for me is where it ended. It's like, well, I guess I should have expected that to happen. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's like, oh, that's that's yeah, why they set something up this way. So yeah, it's overall Shadow War is not bad, but it's not something where it's like, again, I feel I need to read all the parts. Yeah. Now with me, just so you know, there was a book that I really enjoyed that I know you weren't getting, and I thought it was just a good read. It was Rogues Number Two, mm-hmm. and, and it's only going to be a three-parter. It's oversized. It, it's not great. It's not something you need to feel like you missed something, but it was a fun heist book, you know, and uh, so it's a second part of the heist and everything appears to be paid for in gold in Gorilla City. You know, they use gold mm-hmm. coins and stuff and how they get to Gorilla City. So it, it's it's kind of hidden and there's some you know fun stuff that happens around that. And then when they actually get in, the central bank's going to be the target. And so they built up for this last issue where the heist, I don't think it'll go well. How have they not done an ongoing heist series of some sort at DC? Yeah. Or, or Marvel, for that matter. But at DC, you could have the rogues, you know, planning their capers or whatever, or just cycling through different villains of different cities, you know, where they're either comparing notes or, hey, what about this? Can I borrow this? Or, you know, what have you. As there's a succession of, of heists being planned. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I think that's what's a little ref- refreshing about rogues is that it's these street-level characters, you know, the baddies, doing the heist, which you don't see very often, and it's set up perfectly for someone like a Nightwing or a Batman or a Batgirl or whoever to step in and stop the heist, you know, and uh, do some good without having these cosmic, universe-shaking things happen. happen. Okay, but the rogues are street-level bad guys I don't disagree with, but I do feel obligated to point out they 
fight somebody who moves at the speed of thought. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, yeah. yeah. Captain Cold at his heart, he's a guy with a cold gun. You know, regular yeah. Joe. You know, same with most of these other guys. They've got some cool weaponry, but they're regular Joes. Absolutely. Exactly. But, but holding your own against the Flash to any degree, pretty impressive. Very impressive. So they're very good at <laughs> what they do. Oh, if they were good, they'd stay out of jail and get the hell out of Central City. That's true. I, I just have a feeling it's not going to end up good for the rogues in issue number three. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'd worry but, if it did. But it, it is fun, but I, I didn't pay attention enough to see if there's, like, cursing and stuff, because it is, like, in that limited, you know, like, black label stuff, so there's probably something in there that you wouldn't like. I hope there's not a lot of profanity, because that's, that's out of character for those guys. Yeah, and I, I just don't remember. I don't think I saw it, but, you know, I, I might have breezed over it. Who knows? Fair enough. Yeah. So... The other big one I want to talk with you about before we moved on to like Marvel and stuff, Flashpoint number zero came out, and that uh, is Flashpoint Beyond. Beyond. Or Beyond, Beyond. Yeah, okay. Flashpoint Beyond Zero. What did you think of that? And you told me this is a big retcon after we had talked about it, but um, why is it a retcon? Well, first off, I found it entertaining. Okay. I'm really not sure about this whole divine continuum concept. Yes. There was a shift on the last page where it's like, this is unexpected and unexplained, so so what the heck. But the, the whole retcon about this is we've got the Flashpoint Batman going back to the Flashpoint universe. Yeah. Well, why is that a retcon? There is no Flashpoint universe. Yeah, that's Flash, what you're telling me. Flashpoint retooled the timeline of the main DC universe, what had been at one point Earth-1, before collapsing and uncollapsing and all the multi-universe shenanigans. But the main DC Earth, it it reverted, it, it flipped around the timeline going in. We had three months of some cool Flashpoint stuff and then flipped it again coming out, completely rewriting everything into the new 52. It was that timeline. There is no parallel world to go to at this. So this was definitely a retcon because they created a world, <laughs> a Flashpoint universe. So Sure seems that way, and Marvel's done the same thing a couple of times. Yeah. That being said, I, I did enjoy it. It was a good read. I thought it was entertaining. I thought it was fun. I have concerns about the big concept they're, they're trying to pitch here. Yeah. And I don't know if it's going to play into Dark Crisis, if it's not. And there were one or two things where we got the chalkboard of of cryptic comments that was a big mainstay during Dan Didio's era at DC. Yeah. And if if you've got to tease ideas by just literally kind of spelling them out for us on a chalkboard, I don't know. Yeah. And I, I, I did notice the 5G is dead. That's like the slap in the face to Didio. But yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and like, it eh. makes no concept or no, no sense in the, in the narrative universe. It really does. <laughs> and that doesn't make a whole lot of sense outside of it, but still. The character shouldn't know there's a 5G. <laughs> yeah. Maybe yeah. cell phones aren't catching on. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, so, but did you, you did like it, though? It was entertaining. I thought it was good, yeah. All right, yeah, that's the way I felt. And I do wonder if it's going to tie into Dark Crisis somehow, or if this, they got Jeff Johns doing it, and he's doing a good job with it, but I wonder if they're going to get him to tie it in. I, oh, I don't know. It's interesting, because I thought we had, Eduardo Rizzo on the art for this one, but we've got Zermanico or something like that on the series itself, because this was the zero issue before the one through five. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, And then Jeff Johns was the writer of this, but they also list uh, Jeremy Adams and Tim Sheridan as writers for the miniseries. Oh, so maybe he's just doing the zero issue and then... Well, no, the Jeff other... Johns is also listed as the writer on the other five. Okay, 
but is there a backup feature? Is it co-written? Uh, I don't know. Yeah, if it's a backup feature, I don't like that. If it's co-written, it's how much did Jeff Johns do, or did he just come up with an idea and turned it over to these other guys? Now, where I think they missed the boat, zero issue was five ninety nine. Yes. Expensive. First issue is four ninety nine. Yep. Second issue is three ninety nine. Third issue, they don't continue the trend though. It goes back up. No, it says three ninety nine, but it, the trend would be two ninety nine, and then the yeah. fourth issue would have been one ninety nine, the fifth issue would have been ninety nine <laughs> cents. I mean, how awesome would that have been? That would have been cool. A countdown. You're saving money to stay on the title. That would have been really cool. <laughs> and have to pay us to read the the sixth issue. That not that there is one. <laughs> That'd be funny. <laughs> be hilarious. <laughs> yeah, but overall, I mean, those were like the highlights. I mean, there's other stuff I read, but eh. Like, like the reason I think why I got more, I got Wonder Woman Historia number two. I'm just seeing that till the end. It's a good art book, but that's it. Mm-hmm. Sandman Nightmare Country. I, I, why did I get Sandman? It's it's just kind of weird, you know? And I still haven't read the main Sandman story, which I need to do, so. And uh, Nice House on a Lake, believe it or not, it was decent, but it wasn't a great issue. It was yeah. uh, a lot of setting the table for what's to come. For me, the other stuff I got was Action Comics, the yep. uh, final issue of the Aquaman Green Arrow Deep Target series. Final issue of Blue and Gold. Uh, we got another issue of Detective. Uh, another issue of Naomi, Season 2. Yep. One Star Squadron. And then the final issue of uh, Robins. Yep, yep. They were yeah. all solid. They were fine. Yeah, exactly. They are just like, overall, it was a lot of okay and some good stuff. Yeah. Again, yeah. very little bad from DC. But again, one or two of them, I think, kind of made up for that. But yeah. Yeah, so good month for DC, I would say. When it's not that bad. Yeah. <laughs> Shall we head over to Marvel? Yeah, let's do that. Again, I got uh, 19 comics here, and there weren't too many that fell into the this is not good category. Oh, okay. I, I had some that fell in there. I-, I received 29, so I got a lot more Marvel than you. Wow, a lot more, yeah. The one that I know you didn't like is Hulk Grand Design 2, or Grand Design whatever it's called, Monster or something. To me, it's Hulk Grand Design number 2, but they, they call it Hulk Grand Design Madness number 1, and I'm like, why? <laughs> exactly. I want to take a point off just for that. I know. It's canceled. It's gone. So I'm like, but it was pretty horrible. <laughs> this was this was disappointing. I mean, five ninety nine for this was was a little brutal. And I'm and we mentioned this on the Slack channel. I am unlikely to get another Grand Design miniseries based on this. Yeah. Only the X Men ones were good, and I'd only continue with that if the I guess it was Jim Mahood who did the, those. No, it, um, or, was uh, it Skioli? Is that his name? Something Ski. Oh my gosh! No. I'd have to go look at if the original guy did though another one of those. I would consider it. Yeah, Tom, I think it's Thomas, and it's spelled Skioli or something like that. I'm butchering his name. <laughs> well, the the couple of X Men Grand Design ones I felt were a good read and a great recap of the X Men continuity and such. Oh, I got it wrong. It's Ed Pisker. Oh, Ed Pisker, you're right. That's it. I, that... I'm I'm wrong. I, I looked it up. So yeah, glad we, you I, did. I can never I'm... remember these things. <laughs> Yeah, me neither. I'm horrible with names. But the other, the Fantastic Four one, it's like, that's not what happened. So uh, they, they weren't even a good recap of it, and this was just a bad read. Yeah, this one was just horrible. It, it, I was bored to tears. I just kind of flipped through. Thart stinks, and so does the story. Get out of here. Don't buy this book, please. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, the other one that was really bad for me, and I know you didn't get it, but another thing that I would not recommend is Electra number 100. Mm, uh, I, interesting. I re- I regret buying it. It was very retro, and what they had is it was kind of like, like a jam book. You know, they got a bunch of guys oh. together doing their own little '80s, yeah, electric stuff. And I'm just like, it wasn't working for me. It was really rough. I considered getting that one, but 
it looked like it was bridging, and I just didn't read the solicit, I guess, from Devil's Reign into the new Daredevil series or out of her being Daredevil back to Matt Murdock or something like that. That's where it felt like it was going to fit in. Yeah. But I haven't been reading any of that stuff, so I didn't get it. I like Elektra, but I don't like reading like 1980s, here's eight writers and eight artists and stuff like this. You know, it's like, Well, jam book right there. You kind of lost me. (laughs) Exactly. I'm like, yeah, not good. Not good. So now what did you like now that we got the the stinkers out of the way? Well, I had two others that that didn't work for me. What else didn't work? I did pick up the X-Men 92 House of XCII. Oh, yeah. And it felt a little bit too much like a comic book adaptation of what the 1990s X-Men cartoon version of the House of X era might have been like. Ah. And it's like, it sounded cool on paper, but when I actually read it, it's like, yes, this isn't working. It's not good. Yeah. I I mean, part of it is, it's not like I've watched all those cartoons and like I need that twist on the current story. It's like, not saying they shouldn't have done it. I'm just saying I'm not following through on the miniseries. Yeah. Uh, Well, that, that makes sense. And then the other one for me was X-Force 27, which just got kind of gross. Oh, yeah, yeah. It did get kind of gross. And kind of spun out of the many lives of Wolverine in a way I just wasn't really expecting. Yeah, I I, I like the gross stuff, so I enjoy it a little bit more than you. Yeah. Sorry, but that's true. That's who I am. Hey, I, if you like it, that's great. Just didn't work for me. Yeah. There were a couple of things I thought were uh, were a lot of fun. Yeah. But Unsurprisingly, Fantastic Four. A Fantastic Four, yeah. Fantastic Four. I thought it was great. I thought it was good, but actually, I think my notes are a little messed up because this is referencing this is referencing something else entirely. Oh, all I'm right. pretty sure Robin and Deathstroke weren't in this issue. We're not. It, they were uh, not. My, my uh, notes have failed me. But this was. I mean, they're doing some fun stuff with the Fantastic Four, and I'm I'm curious where. Slot's grand plan goes, and and how long have you got a grand plan for? And actually, I have a correction there. Okay, remember how I told, uh, I kind of mentioned to you, I didn't say anything about uh, Fantastic Four forty one last mm-hmm. month in March. The one that I thought was great was forty one because I got it this month. Ah, <laughs> so that's the one that I was like, man, this is great. But forty two, I thought it was good, but not great. Mm-hmm. It was okay. So uh, forty one was way better than forty two. Yeah. So I- I'm sorry, I-, I was looking at my forty one notes and I remembered. I'm like, oh, it's the other issue. All right, cool. I'm still enjoying Captain Carter, fun alternate world with a couple of familiar faces, so that's that's cool. Yeah, Captain Carter's decent. I like that. I like the art style, too. Yeah, I do. I'm continuing to enjoy the Silver Surfer Rebirth stuff. I thought they did a cool kind of tribute to some of the past Silver Surfer artists at the beginning of the issue. Very retro, too. So, like, yeah. if you like retro stuff, you'll like this. We got Ron Mars, Ron Lim on this, and they're doing some good stuff. Oh, yeah. yeah now, good this stuff. one has Jack of Hearts. Yes, it does. Who's also over in She-Hulk. Which is weird. He's popping up everywhere. Why? <laughs> yeah. And I enjoyed She-Hulk as well. I thought it was good, but it was just sort of slow in some respects. It was. This was a slower one. and uh, But I, I'm questioning that too because I'm reading Jack Hart in two books and he's just popped up out of nowhere. I'm like, they must have a plan for this guy going forward. Something's going to happen with him. I'm wondering if this means he's going to show up maybe in one of the movies or something like that. or I don't know. Ah, and all our books are going to be worth tons of money. Maybe. maybe Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. (laughs) Speculation. (laughs) Yeah. Hey, now, I did want to ask you about a new number one that came out that I'm pretty sure you got by looking at your stuff. Marauders number one. Did you get that? I did get that. What did you think of it? Because I have an opinion on this. I wasn't expecting the final member of the team to be who it was. Okay, yes. 
Wasn't expecting this to go into space. I did, well, didn't either. It was a decent read, but it wasn't exactly what I was expecting. I mean, it was fine. Yeah, I felt like the previous Marauders run was better than this. Because usually the yeah. first issue starts off strong where it tries to hook you for the next issue. And this one, I felt like it didn't hook me. And then I, I think I figured it out. Steve Orlando. Mm. <laughs> He's the writer. And for whatever reason, Steve Orlando just doesn't usually mesh with yeah. me. So I'm like, I wonder if it's the Steve Orlando effect on this book. Well, I mean, not all writers are going to click with all readers. That's, you know, going to happen. I hope it picks up because I, I like the team. Me too. I like the team. I just, it's in space now. It's weird. They don't have like, it's a similar mission, but it doesn't seem the same. Yeah. Yeah. It feels like they've, they've re-vectored in a weird way, given they didn't change the title. Yeah. Now, another weird thing for me, and the reason why I got more, I missed my uh, Strange number one, so I got Strange one and two this month. Ah. And so the first one, I did like it. The second one, I didn't like it quite as much, but I'm still enjoying it. Did, did you like it? I would say that's pretty much my assessment on those. Okay, all right, yeah. I, I thought it started really strong. I thought the, the second one was good, but hard to follow up. As well. It wasn't as good as the first, but I kind of don't expect it to be. Yeah. So that's why when I read the Marauders one, with the one wasn't that strong, I was like, the number two is really going to probably hit me hard. <laughs> I'm like, eh, kind of worried about that. Well, I hadn't caught it with Steve Orlando until you pointed it out, but there have been a few of his other things, creator own works, that it's like, yeah, I'm getting off. Yeah, I call it the Orlando effect. Yeah. I live it. I live here, too. So. Yeah. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> no. What? Uh, okay. I'm jumping all over the place, but it's the okay. ADD mind. Captain America number zero came out, and this is leading into two Captain America books with both Steve Rogers and I can't remember the other Captain America. Sam Wilson. Sam Wilson. Thank you. My mind was drawn a blank. What did you think of number zero? Well, first off, this is the kind of thing Marvel does that drives me nuts. Okay. Because technically, this is a one-shot volume of Captain America. So annoying. <laughs> because it's following... Uh, or followed up with Captain America, Sentinel of Liberty, and Symbol of Truth, two different titles. So, I mean, and this, I think, is the 10th volume of Captain America for the issue it lasted. So just from a filing, organizational point of view, it's like, come on, guys. Overall, though, I thought this was good, but I was wanting better. Yeah. Final page didn't really make sense to me. Yeah. The pitch for the Steve Rogers series has me a little concerned of, the shield isn't your symbol, but theirs. And then speaking of shields, I'm curious which one Sam has. Me too. I was wondering, yeah, I was curious as well. It's it's a different paint scheme, but there's a handful of shields out there that it could be, or could be a totally new one. I'm just curious on the on the providence of, of said shield. Yeah, I will be getting both Captain America, so we'll see which one's better. But I cannot say the name of the writer on the Sam Wilson title. <laughs> I, I butcher it. Um, so it's someone who I think did some Black Panther, some side stories. Yeah. Yeah. Black Panther Legends, I think. Yeah. Now, one other thing that I was going to ask you about, let's see, Amazing Spider-Man number one came out and this was the new writer on it, which was Zeb Wells, correct? I believe so. It was solicited in the information I've got is Stan Lee, but I'm pretty sure it wasn't Stan. So Stan Lee. Yeah. I have no (laughs) idea why that showed up that way in the data. That's bizarre. So um, it was not Stanley. It was it Zeb. Was Zeb. <laughs> Stan, if Stan's writing it from the grave, I, he's a hardworking man. But what? I, this was the weirdest issue. Did you feel like that too? Yeah. I mean, there were major unexplained shifts in the status quo. Yes. It was as if they felt Spider-Man was somehow broken before this. 
Yes. I mean, it wasn't bad, but it wasn't great either. And I kind of hope they explain some of these changes to the status quo while I still care. Yeah. I, okay, so we left off with issue number whatever it was, 93 or 94 of the regular. 93. 93. And I'm like, okay, number one, what the heck's going on with Ben Riley? He's just gone. He's not here. And so I don't know. He'll pop up again with whatever that status quo changes. But then I got into this and I was just like, everything that you thought about Peter has changed and what could he have possibly done? I'm confused. I know he's wanting us to be confused, but it better be good. It better stick because I don't want them to change the character. You know, It almost feels like what Tom King did with Wally West. Yeah. Doesn't it feel like that? Well, it definitely feels like they wanted a, a completely you know, blank slate in some respects to to tell the stories they want to tell and such, which is fine and good, but you kind of gotta gotta move the character from place to place, not just teleport them there randomly. Yeah. So I, I imagine it's gonna be doled out over the next year. I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised if it takes a year for us to figure out what's going on. But I'm hoping it's good. But I, I was kind of worried when I read this one. I mean, I enjoyed the story, but I'm kind of like uneasy with it. And I, I it can go one of two ways: it can crash and burn, or it can be really good. If it takes him a year to explain what the hell the status quo changes are, that that would be really annoying. (laughs) And you know what's going to happen at issue six here? What's that? That's the landmark number 900 of the title. Oh, so that better, we better know by then. Well, we better know by then, but it's it's a 999 comic, so they're going to have the page count to tell us by then. (laughs) Yeah, they got plenty of pages. I, yeah, I just, I don't know. There's so many comics I want to ask you about, but I I, I don't want to like... No, it's fine. Take Keep over the podcast. We got, we got time. Okay. okay, X-Men Red was a number one. What did you think of that? That one, it almost seemed like it was the setup for the Brotherhood of Martian Mutants. Yeah, I, I really liked it. It was an interesting and unexpected direction for them to go in, and a different rationale for the title X-Men Red than we've gotten before. Yes. You know, Red Planet and stuff, so it was kind of cool. Yeah. So if they can make it work, I'd love to see them do that, and I think they can. Yeah, I love the thing with Magneto on Araco. Mm-hmm. I, I, I like the angle that they're taking with Storm. It's excellent. But the twist at the end with her, it hooked me. So I got really excited for this title when I was reading X-Men number one versus like a Marauders number one where I was not excited coming out of that. Yeah, I can understand that. So I was like, wow, this one, this one's the one to get versus Marauders, which before it would have been Marauders versus whatever the X-Men weird book that <laughs> Red replaced. I have no do- no idea. Yeah, I get a little tired of what title replaced what title. I just can't keep track. Yeah. Now, I, I did get something that it, it became like a, a real discussion on the Slack channel, the Punisher number two. And so I, I love the new Punisher story. It's Jason Aaron's writing it. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm not going to say it's all-time best, but it's really solid. This one would have been A material for me, issue number two, and that's good for a number two issue. Garth Ennis is kind of like the standard for Punisher for me, his Punisher Max series. But I, I loved it. So you have Punisher is, you know, opens up with someone, and I'm not going to spoil it by telling you who he's with because that's a big spoiler and a big hook at the end of issue number one. And But it it's the plot device that leads him in, on the path of where he is. And so they talk a lot about, you know, there's some training, you know, with him and the, the fist of the hand. He's he's basically, he's part of the hand, but he's becoming the fist of the hand. Mm-hmm. And he has been tested. I, I wouldn't say tested. He, 
we see uh, Frank as a child. So they go back to his childhood and you realize that the hand approached him as a, when I say a child, let's say like 10 years old and they open up a thing with daggers. Hey, do any of these daggers appeal to you? And he's like, get away from me. You know, like, who are you creeps? And then later in life, after all this stuff happens, you're seeing him go through training and stuff like this. They once again present him with these daggers and he goes for this one dagger that he's drawn to, which is the fist of the hand. And they're like, you basically are a long line of characters, you know, people that have appeared to us as the fist of the hand. So there's also an apostle of war that's coming into play who, or the, the apostles of war are coming into play and there's a beast of the hand. And I'm not going to spoil it with who the beast is versus the fist of the hand, but they are coming into opposition with each other. And I would say this is not for you to ever read, John, because there is very graphic violence in this. Yeah. This, I'm, this, I'm surprised. It could have been a Max series. Like, you, you get one scene where there's Shuriken, like those, they used to call them ninja stars, yeah, between his knuckles and his fist, almost like Wolverine claws. Mm-hmm. Which, it's very graphic, but I love it. I well, thought it was really cool. It definitely sounds like they're doing some retooling of the character, which is not yeah. the least bit surprising to me. The character and symbology for it have been kind of co-opted. Yes. And regardless of who co- co-opted it and why, as a company that has intellectual property, you've got to protect the usage of it and the uh, the marketing and, and sales of it and such, because it does reflect back on your property. Yes. You know, whether it's good, bad, or indifferent, if you don't maintain ownership of it, you lose it. Yeah. So I do think that's what's instigating some of these changes and such. Yeah, that it, it, it's they now have a symbol that has um, some Asian mythology behind it. It's a symbol of that they have in Japan, that symbol on his chest, this demon that's, you know, in, in Japanese symbolism. And so they're they're able to take that, you know, modify it a little bit. It made sense with Devil's Reign. It makes sense as where he is right now with all this Eastern mythology. And they've kind of put him on a new trajectory. And yet he's just the same Frank Castle that we've always kind of known. So it's kind of cool. <laughs> and let's face it, they've they've taken the character on some some pretty radical paths in the past. Yes, they have. Very Frank radical. and Castle. At one point, he was an angel, I believe. Yep. <laughs> so. Going in bold new directions, not unprecedented for the character. Not at all. And I will say, I, I'm enjoying it the heck out of it. I think it's a fun read. Cool. Yeah. So, now, besides that, was there anything else that you liked before I, I told you about one other thing that I enjoyed? Or uh, Most of the other stuff was uh, solid reads. Nothing that was just, oh my god, uh, good or bad. It was just fun. Okay. Well, something I think were good, but I'm not going to go into detail. Black Panther 5 was good. Black Widow 15 was good. The other one that I was going to say was uh, good was Thor number 24, and it was a big issue number 750, but it wasn't great. The thing that was good was the main story was at the beginning and at the end, but then it became an anthology in the middle. Ah, yeah. But so it was really expensive, and it's a lot of pages, but the main story loved it. This is great. This is what I've been reading. But the cool thing that they kind of did, and it was like an all-star cast anthology, it was all the best runs, like Walter Simonson came mm. back and did some writing and some art. Dan Jurgen, Straczynski, Karen Gillan even did a Loki thing. Jason Aaron came back and did a little thing. So it was all their stories, and I hate anthologies. These were better than some, but there's, once again, some of them I liked, some I didn't care for, so I was like, eh. But I thought it was cool that they pulled in all the writers who had the runs before. That makes sense to do, and yeah. if you're going to do that, that's it's a good kind of through-the-years, playing-the-hits kind of a 
Exactly. Instead of just some randos writing it, it was kind of cool. Yeah. yeah. But that was pretty much it. Spider-Gwen, Gwenaverse this time, we got to see uh, a version of Gwen as Thor. Oh, yeah. And then over in What If Miles Morales, we could see a version of Miles as Wolverine. Oh, yeah. That's the one that's coming next month because I didn't get it this month. <laughs> was it good? Uh, they were both fine. All right. All right. So I won't, I won't stress over it. I mean, none of them were... These are not things that I expect to be overly original, overly amazing, or anything like that. I like the art a bit better on the What If Miles Morales than on the Gwenaverse, which I thought was a little cartoony. Okay. But I'm liking the designs for the alternate Gwens and some stuff like that. I do think doing these two, you know, alternate universe ones, or, you know, whatever, in parallel or whatever, don't know if that's the greatest idea, but, you know, they're going to do what they're going to do. Yeah, very cool. So, Yeah. Other stuff I got was Avengers, Knights of X, Silk, Wolverine, X-Force Annual, and uh, X-Men. All kinds of good stuff. Yeah, yeah I, I got a bunch of stuff, too. I got more than you, but it was just, you know, basically a lot of that was kind of like, okay. Even Hulk was just, oh, that was okay, you know. It didn't do anything for me, so I just kind of skipped over it. Yeah, I think for me, the overarching theme across all the publishers is a lot of it was, was good, solid, acceptable content. Stuff went a little above, but not, oh my god, above. And not all that much went below. Yeah, yeah, that, I would agree. There was a few things here and there that kind of stunk, but majority was not that bad. Yeah. Now, for the other publishers, I got 25 comics. And again, most of these were right in that, this is this is a solid read. You know, not great, not bad, entertaining. You know, stuff like uh, the Star Trek Mirror War trying to think what else that uh the stuff that that really really the one standout thing it was probably the best thing i read this month was uh breakout number one from it was dark horse oh i didn't get that how was it good i thought it was a great start to the story and it really felt like something that either could or should get optioned for like a movie or tv series interesting this is uh zach kaplan yeah i love zach kaplan yeah and i didn't get it son of a i gun. recommend it all right i need to pick it up yeah, for it, me, that was that was probably the best thing I read. What, was that issue number one? Issue number one of four. All right, so it will come out in a trade, so if I can't get the number one, I can just pick up the trade, probably being solicited either this month or next month. All right, cool, cool. Probably next month for the trade. I don't know how soon they'll do the trade, but yeah. Yeah, they're usually pretty quick about them. Yeah. Uh, with my indies, there was a lot that was kind of like so-so, you know? Mm -hmm. And some things that I didn't care for, but they kind of like were finishing. Like one thing I hated, I got John Carter of Mars... Oh, it was horrible. I'm not, don't anyone ever read that? I'm a John Carter and Warlord of Mars fan. This is like, let's tell him in a new light. Nope, didn't work. Yeah, Ugh. when they've got to reinvent the character, that's not always a good sign. That was horrible. <laughs> Generally speaking, I think if you're a fan of the character and they feel need to, the need to reinvent it, you might want to skip it. Yeah. If you don't like the character and they feel the need to reinvent it, uh, maybe it's worth trying. Yeah, that's how it was. Yeah, now, the ones that I really enjoyed, Sumerian Hour of the Dragon, number two. Mm -hmm. Really good. It's King Conan stuff from Europe going undercover as his enemies and allies think he's dead or captured. Dart in the book is amazing. It's just really good. Crimson Cage number five was the last issue of the AWA series. It was it's a wrestling book, but it wasn't. It's more like a horror murder book. Mm -hmm. And the wrestling was just a side story, the stuff that's going on in the background, and to get you to this cool story about tragedy and sanity and demons. And death. That's basically, you wouldn't have enjoyed it. Now, did you get the Joneses number one and did you like it? I got the Joneses number one. I thought it was a good start to the story. I mean, clearly set in the Resistance universe. Yeah. Just not really sure exactly where all they're going to go with this and how it's going to play out yet. 
that's where I am right now. I enjoyed it, but I don't know if it's going to hook me or not on the second issue. Uh, the mm-hmm. first issue was good, though. I enjoyed it. So I'm waiting to see. And then Noctera number nine, which is uh, Scott Snyder. It's a solid issue. We get Blacktop Bill, the bad guy, is teamed up with the crew of people who are fighting the creatures of the dark, including Blacktop Bill. And apparently there's factions in the dark creatures. And there's a guy named Bill and a guy named William. I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> well, all right, then. <laughs> and then some of the other ones that are good, I, I don't want to go into depth because like, it's going to bore you. The Line and the Eagle, which is a very graphic war book by Garth Ennis. Mm-hmm. Burma. Great stuff. We Have Demons, number two. Now, that one, did you ever read We Have Demons? It came out digitally no. first. Okay, it was a comicsology original, and I didn't think you read it. It's Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo. I would tell you to read it, but there's a ton of profanity because the demons curse, curse, curse. So of that's course. the part that you wouldn't like, and, there, and there, of course there's some violence. But I would say it reminds me of a cross between maybe like a Spawn, but way better storytelling than Spawn, because Spawn's storytelling is not good, and Hellboy, because some of the creatures can look like Hellboyish, the demons. So it, it's kind of cool. You know, you get a backstory, you get the girl whose name is Lamb, who becomes the star of the book, her father, something happened to him in the first issue, and a guy named Gus, who's a demon from hell. And, you know, basically the them going through life and fighting the demons, trying to come from hell into into Earth. So, kind of cool. Interesting. Yeah. And the, the only other thing that I really enjoyed, because, and, and then I have two that I'm asking questions about. Sure. Vermilion number zero came out from one of these weird publishers, Behemoth, and I never gotten anything from Behemoth. And Vermilion Number Zero was like really good, but really creepy and weird at the same time. I was I kept reading it, going, "What am I reading?" It's like this someone going through almost like a horror thing as a date goes wrong, and it gets very dark. It's sex filled. It's pretty explicit, and I don't even remember the solicit. I don't know why I picked it up. But it was really creepy, and I liked it. <laughs> okay. And it's Vermilion number zero, and there has not been an issue one, two, three, four, or anything solicited, so I don't know if this is it, but it was weird. The ones I wanted to ask, or one I had a comment about, I was going to ask you, how's Firepower working for you? Are you still getting it? I'm still getting it. When I got this, my first question was, when was the previous issue of this? That's what I was thinking, too. I feel, I feel like it's losing me. Uh, the story had lost some serious momentum, but I was able to get back into it. It was just a slow kind of restart to the story. Yeah. It's like the, the title, I, I just feel like it's losing me. I, I, I don't know if it hasn't been out for a while. It's, it's like a slog right now. You know, you get the Shadragon issue and just, it, it, it just doesn't seem as fun as it was before. With the family dynamics and stuff and, and, and the drama, it just feels like it's gotten, I don't know, weird. A little full of itself, I think. It, it's like it's reveling in its own mythology, and it's like, you're on issue 19, you know? And it's 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 not bad, but the break in the storytelling, and I forget how long it had been, it was long enough, it's like, oh yeah, I guess I am still getting this. Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of how I felt. Yeah. It just, it lost some momentum, and that, that didn't help the story. I think if it had been coming out like clockwork and stuff, that, that might have helped, because it's like, oh yeah, this is where we left off. Yeah. Oh, I, I had another book that came out that I had to tell you something funny about. Mm-hmm. Farmhand number 16. And you might be, you weren't reading Farmhand, were you back when it first came out? Nope, not at all. Okay, I read Farmhand number 1 through 15. I remember seeing it. I talked about it in the previous spotlight, and I was like, where has this book been? I was like, I haven't read an issue of this forever. So at the end, Rob Guillory apologized for a two-year hiatus. 
Oh, that's is, nothing. Yeah, uh, I was just like, this is like saga stuff. I was like, he's like, oh, COVID happened, and the kids were at home. He's like, I planned for a six-month hiatus. I'm like, how do you plan for a six-month hiatus? You shouldn't be planning for a six-month hiatus. And he's like, it, he was just retelling this. He re, kind of retold the story. And then he said, he's like, I'm going to be done by issue 26 if you're sticking around, basically. So I'm... 10 more issues and I'm out. So that's literally how he left it in his notes. He's like, hey, he's like, uh, you know, I'm, I'm done by issue 26. I hope you guys stick around. Thanks for being here. That's it. Yeah, that kind of gap or whatever. And there have been a couple of titles that it's like I'd pick it up after a two or three year gap. And it's like if so few writers write stories accessibly as if you hadn't read the previous issue, which after two years, you may as well not have to a degree. Yeah. That that kind of, of break in momentum is the kiss of death for a title. Yeah. It can be. Or at least my enjoyment of it. That's exactly true. That's how I felt with this. I'm like, I remember I used to enjoy the book and it came back and I read it and it it's just like the whatever magic was there or whatever enjoyment, it's kind of gone now. You know, it's like, well, I mean, you've right. moved on and it hasn't. Yeah. Yeah. It, 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 that's what happened with Saga. I feel like Saga lost its charm. You mm-hmm. know, it had that, had that, I don't want to say it was the most charming book, but it had some magic to it. it, it Brian K. Vaughn, even though I did think he had some shock and awe in there just for shock and awe, but it's kind of gone. He comes back with the shock and awe and it just feels like nails down the chalkboard, grading almost. Like, ugh, it's not working anymore, bud. <laughs> Yeah, no, I can understand that totally. Yeah, so I would say this is my biggest area for, like, I had some disappointments in there and just some stuff that was, like, a lot of it was just kind of so-so. Yeah, again, for me, a lot of it was just, it was a decent read, but nothing, it's like, yeah, you've got to read it or you've got to avoid it or anything of the sort. A lot of it was just kind of just another issue, if you know what you know. No, I know. Yeah, the, the, I, if I had to pick out the best ones out of the bunch, it'd probably be, and it's not going to be stuff you would read, Crimson Cage, We Have Demons, and then... uh well, I'd probably say Joneses. The Joneses are probably the next one of the top three. Again, for me, Breakout was probably that, one the best thing I read this this yeah. month. And by the way, Kaplan has a book coming out from Image that I did pre-order. Uh, which, Kaplan. Uh, which book? I don't remember. Let me see. I have my previews here. Man. I, don't I may or may not have ordered book. it then. Uh, okay. I did call it out, but I know there is a book. I, for the life of me, I can't remember off the top of my head. You'll just have to leave it as there is a book coming out from Zach Kaplan, and I don't know what the hell it is. Okay. <laughs> That's funny. I can't remember what it is. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He but, does, does some good stuff, though. Yeah, he, he does some really good stuff. So uh, it, it's weird because he kind of disappears from me. I guess he did that book over at Dark Horse that you read, mm-hmm. and I definitely need to check on picking that up. Just so I don't forget, will you message me in Slack the name of the title because I don't have it written down? Yeah, I can just do that. A, yeah, just so I'll remember to tell Eric, hey, if you have an extra copy, throw it in my box, you know, send it to me. Sure, I can do that. Yeah, that'd be cool. So we did get some questions this time oh, around. Oh, yeah. Let's go ahead. All of these were from uh, Jason Z. He's a very inquisitive fellow. Love that. Thank you, Jason. Yeah, thanks. First question, One Star Squadron. How was the series? Did you enjoy it at all? Almost went for it initially as I thought it would be like All Star Squadron, but it does not seem to be. Yeah, it's definitely not like All-Star Squadron. Uh, it's certainly riffing off the name of it, but this is a bunch of second- or third-rate, you know, heroes working at a what is it, Heroes for You thing, which is half yeah. go do personal appearances, half be bodyguards sort of a thing. I like Steve Lieber's art. I like some of the characters in it. I like seeing some of them, but... If you're looking for something like All-Star Squadron, this is absolutely, positively not it. 
Yeah, I would agree. It's kind of like it was okay. I, I didn't read all, but I would say this isn't even uh, Mark Russell's best work. He's done a lot better things than this. I would recommend of his work Flintstones. Flintstones is the best. I love it. I brought it in hardcover because I like it so much. Next one, Fictionauts number three, completely missed the series, looks interesting. How was it? Are there any characters or mainstream comics you would compare it to? I picked it up, thought it would be more interesting than I felt it was. It was a little dry. I believe this was originally done maybe over in Europe and then kind of republished here by... Which company was this? Is it Red 5 Comics? I think it was Red 5 Comics. Yeah, I looked it up. I didn't read it, so I know nothing about it, but I did look just to see who in the heck he was talking about. I liked the concept. It reminded me a little of, I almost want to say Fables, but like a superhero, Doc Savage, kind of a riff sort of a deal uh, on it. But that that makes it sound a lot better than I felt it was. To me, it was just kind of dry. All right. And I didn't um, read it at all, so you're not selling me on it. So No, I, if I had it to do over, I would not get the book. <laughs> Enough said. <laughs> it just it didn't work for me. I think it was written for a different audience, literally. Yeah, and not every book is for everyone, and some books are for no one. That's true. <laughs> Blue and Gold, Jason fell off the Justice League series back in the years when they joined the team. I certainly have more of appreciation for them as time has passed. How was the series to you guys? Was it a more modern-day feel or throwback to the classic feel of the characters? I thought it was a pretty good, fun take on them. We get the answer of a question or two of, like, who was Black Beetle and such. Art in the final issue was a little all over the place, but it felt very modern in terms of streaming and the take on media and stuff like that, but it also felt like the... Classic booster and gold from the the Boahaha era of the Justice League. Very cool. So I felt it was a good good mix on those. All right, and and I didn't read that one as well. So once again, no information for me. Next question was on Knighted. Could you give a general overview of the series? Is this a street level character, and what kind of world is the setting? Looks interesting. Ah, all right, cool. This is in the Resistance world over at AWA. It is their riff on a Batman-type character with the concept being, what if the real Batman died and some other poor schmo gets sucked into replacing him? Yep. We got the fifth issue, which ended the first volume, and there is going to be a second, and not that I'm going to get it. Not bad, not great, just something I don't need to keep up with. And it was written on the assumption that this knighted character had been around for a substantial length of time. Yes. More so than I felt the Resistance world had really been around. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah, like like there's been many iterations of the knighted character, Yeah, even though that, that event just happened. Well, and he's not super-powered, so he could have pre-existed to the, the yep. virus and stuff, which timed with our pandemic. But it, I don't know, it just, the art didn't work for me. It's not what I was looking for in a title. Yeah. Other people may love it. And the guy is the very opposite of Bruce Wayne because he's kind of like a down on his luck and everyone takes advantage of him uh, like like his girlfriend's cheating on him and all kinds of stuff so it, it, it's it's take a down on his luck guy put him in a situation where he has to become the hero and he's not a heroic naturally person i would say if you like wrong earth or yes wrong earth is very hero much. square back when that was done from boom maybe it's along those sorts of lines, not that it's got multiple worlds or, you know, two versions of a character. But again, you've got a, a loser filling in for Batman, essentially. That's exactly, that's the best way to sum it up. There's the elevator pitch. Yeah. 
Jason's next question was on Hulk Grand Design Madness. Was uh, waiting to collect this in trade as the Hulk's one of his favorite characters. Wanted to ask why the series is not enjoyable to you guys. He hasn't read any of the Grand Design stuff. Not sure if they're a retelling of the character history or a new secret story from the classic years of the characters. Thought they might be like the History of the Marvel Universe by Mark Wade. Are there other Grand Design story arcs you've read that you would recommend? And how do they compare in format and story-wise to the Hulk series? Through your entire reading of that question, I'm shaking my head. No, he can't see that. <laughs> no, don't do it. <laughs> okay, the original grand design for the X-Men stuff was a yeah. condensation of the history of the X-Men in illustrated comic book format. And I think Ed Pisker, because we decided that's who did it, yes, yep. yes, correct. Ed did a brilliant job on that. It was a good read. It was a good recap of the history. When they did a Fantastic Four one, it's like they tried to do a recap of the history, but the history was wrong or their version of it or something. Like, it's like, oh, we'll fix it. It's like it wasn't broken. And with the Hulk one here, it felt more like a collage of images versus a story. I mean, you actually get cover images as covers in here. Yep, cover image and this happened. It breaks the flow. Whereas, I mean, the the original grand design for the X-Men was a little bit of an odd read because of the speed with which it was, was racing through things. But you could follow it and sometimes there was you know wink wink nod nod to the camera and editorial comments from the characters yeah but it's like oh yeah i remember this oh yeah that happened and ah i see what happened here kind of a deal yeah so neither of these are like the history of the marvel universe by mark wade where or i may be thinking actually more of the saga of the marvelverse back in the 80s but either way those were kind of a retelling of things in a more conventional comic book style story yeah whereas the X-Men Grand Design, take that and compress the hell out of it. Yeah, and simplify the art. And simplify the art, yeah. I like the Mark Wade Marvel history of the, you know, history of the Marvel Universe. That was great. Grand Design, the fir- if you're going to read any of them, that first one, the X-Men one, is probably the best of the bunch. But even that, it's not going to read like a comic book. So if you're looking for something comic-y that's going to give you the history, it's not like that. It's very condensed, and it's it, it, it can be a bit much. And I would I would see if you could do read it on Hoopla or go to a library yeah. and read it before you put down money on this thing. There is a play that was done in London ages ago. I forget the name of it. And it was the Reduced Shakespeare Company or something like that, mm-hmm. where they would race through all of Shakespeare in, you know, an hour and a half play. Oh, God. <laughs> the grand design stuff, when it's done well, reads that way. Yeah. It's a fun blast through the history of these characters but again the x-men one of the only ones i think worth getting yeah i felt like each subsequent series progressively they got worse and worse and the hulk is seems like a travesty that i don't think anybody will enjoy it yeah and again it's bounced me off the grand design stuff as a rule moving forward me too i'm done with them yeah next question was on blue baron how are you enjoying blue baron and other binge books from sit comics as a whole does this feel like 70s, 80s Marvel comics to you guys? Yes, it does. <laughs> yeah. One of the things I dug up was a comment to Tom DeFalco had made on the MC2 line, because the sitcomics really remind me of that feel of it. Okay. And his quote was, We are old school comics because A, our heroes act like heroes, B, we don't believe in decompression, and C, we tell single issue stories with subplots that build from issue to issue, Indeed, there's a lot of action and angst in every issue. All of that, I think, applies to the sitcomic stuff. Yeah. I mean, 
there are times where, yeah, maybe it feels a little goofy or whatever, and some of the, the character names definitely have an old-school feel to them intentionally. It is absolutely not decompressed. They are heroes, as you would expect classic comic book characters from our youth to, to be like, versus, you know, the more modern, almost psychopaths we sometimes have. And again, you get done in, not done in one, but satisfying in one issues that have things that can build from issue to issue and stuff. Yeah, they're really cool. And the other nice thing is you get some classic creators on this. You get Joe Basima, you get Prince on there, you get all these classic yeah. creators and creating an all-ages book, you know, like a 14-year-old could read it or a 12-year-old could read it or a 40-year-old could read it. Yeah. It's not going to offend anyone. So they, they do that whole rating system with the clocks at the front. Oh, it's appropriate if you're if you, to read this, if you watch TV at eight o'clock early, you know, eight mm-hmm. p.m. on <laughs> prime time uh, versus some maybe ten p.m. You know, for something a little racier, and it's not racy, but I'd kind of love in one of the future ones to see a character down there saying, "But I live in the Eastern Time Zone." No. <laughs> That'd be or funny. seven Central, you know. Yeah, but the, they're fun series. I've read yeah. every single one of the binge books, and I even picked up some of the single comics from uh, Eric Kalabunga. I I've read Startup. I've read. Blue Baron. Yeah, same here. Uh, so I know all the characters. Is it my favorite comic? No, but it's enjoyable. I like it. It's reliable, and you know the level of quality you're going to get. I think it's yeah. a good level of quality. Exactly. The quality's there, and it's something you're going to enjoy. It's it's something, if you want to take a dip into the past the way comics used to be, you'll love it. Yeah. So those are the questions. I've got three other things to kind of talk about. Okay. One that's just kind of a there, one that's sad news and then another thing that you and eric had kind of kicked off where do you want oh, to start okay let's let's do them in the order you brought them up okay the stuff that's just kind of there yes there was some announcements of who's going to get inducted into the will eisner comic awards hall of fame for 2022 ah now this is part of the eisner stuff and honestly i kind of think the eisners are a little out of touch with at least what i read yeah me too. but <laughs> They are a, a industry award that has a lot of uh, reputation behind it, and rightfully so. One of the people getting inducted into the, the Hall of Fame is writer Mark Grumwald, a legendary Marvel Comics editor. I think that is long overdue. I would agree. And that's one that's just, yep, he's getting in. And then they've got 17 nominees, four of which will get inducted. And two names really stuck out to me as, as being uh, worth mentioning, because I think they both are certainly worthy of being in there. Gary Conway. Oh, yeah. And Mark Wade. Oh, Mark Wade. Yeah, he, he's terrific pick. Yeah, so I, I hope those guys make it in. And certainly uh, Mark Grunewald, who passed away, geez, how many years has it been? It's 15, been a while. Yeah. 20. He he was a hidden gem in the comic industry. Great writer. Not one that was ever going to be, you know, an A-list type thing, but he wrote, he wrote a lot of stuff that was really fun reads. And man, he was one of the keepers of the continuity over at Marvel, and just an all-around great guy. Yeah, yeah, I agree. So, definite loss when he passed away. And then, the sad news? Yeah, what's the sad news? I think we all knew this was coming, but it happened. We're recording this on May 10th. Yeah. Uh, first podcast since May 7th, which is when George Perez passed away. Yeah, it, it's we knew it was coming, but I think we're all a little bit sadder, and the world's lost some real, real talent. Yeah, I mean, and knowing it was coming since December helped. I certainly appreciated that. But that was kind of part and parcel of George was. Yeah. He treated the fans with respect. He was always very outgoing. And 
positive with them. He was incredibly positive through his whole, you know, diagnosis of uh, pancreatic cancer and such. And, you know, I was, I was following his Facebook page of, you know, how was he doing and all that stuff. And then, you know, over the weekend we, we got the news. Yeah. I mean, in December it was six months to a year or whatever. I think it wound up being closer to five. Yeah. But he had that time knowing he had that time able to put his affairs in order and, and stuff like that and spend the time as as he wanted to yeah he'll be missing he, he was a great artist a great yeah. just creative talent and and genuinely just a good person a, a really really kind person if he ever met you if you ever had a chance to meet him he, tr- he acted like you were his best friend and he treated everyone like that he was one of the few people i've met of public persona types that were very much in the moment. When he was spending time talking to you, he was talking to you. Yeah. Not, hey, I've got to do this because I'm a public person or anything of the sort. He genuinely loved the fact that he was a comic creator because that was his passion. Yep. And the fact he got paid to do this, you know, which he just, again, loved doing, it oozed out of him in every way, shape, and form in terms of the quality of his work, the enthusiasm with which he did it, and also all the, the charitable stuff he did. Yeah, just tons of it. Yeah. Everything with the, the hero initiative on up and down. Um, So, I mean, he set a really high bar both creatively and professionally in terms of, of how to conduct yourself with the fans and all of that. I, I don't know when or if we'll see somebody who's able to have his work ethic, skill, you know, passion for detail and, and kind of doing things whole hog and stuff. And a philanthropic, outgoing, positive mindset. Yeah, I'll truly miss him. I, I, yeah. he, he, he lived close to where I live, so I, I, I wish I could have seen him more. <laughs> well, they're planning on doing a, a memorial of some sort at Megacon in yeah. really just a week or two from when we record this. I think it's going to be that Sunday, which would be the 29th, I think? Yep, everyone's invited, and they're going to have a whole memorial service there. So I imagine it'll be packed. I really hope they do some kind of live streaming of that. Yeah, me too. I'm uh, fingers crossed. Yeah. So knew it was coming, but was hoping it would be a lot further out. Me too. And then you and Eric had started a Cinco de Mayo campaign. Yeah, that was kind of cool. It was Eric's idea. <laughs> I was just there for the for the ride and reminding him of it. <laughs> I appreciate you guys doing that over in the Slack channel. It was basically encouraging some people to send in $5 donation to the website and such through the PayPal link and had quite a few people do that. And I think that's actually going to cover the hosting costs for the podcast for, I don't know, uh, quite a while for, you know, decent part of the year and stuff. So very much appreciated. Awesome. It's something that I hope we can do every year because for the listeners out there who don't know, you used to write on CBR with your mail mm-hmm. report. You didn't become rich from it, but it took care of the cost for the podcast. But that, with the numbers going away, that kind of went away a little bit. And so this is like a nice way for all of us who've been listening for free uh, to just give back to you and hopefully help out offset some of the costs, if not all of the costs. And maybe if the, what I'm hoping that next year you'll have enough, you can go out to dinner or do something nice. Oh, totally. And again, I appreciated just the, the positive feedback that, that people see value in what I'm doing here. And Again, the timing, because this was happening the week that we put uh, episode 2000 out, uh, I thought that was just kind of cool, too. Yeah, that was cool. 2,000 episodes, and you got some cash to take care of the expenses. Yeah. And it, I, I, it was fun, and it's perfect. Cinco de Mayo. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> yeah. So, 
Eric came up with the idea like literally last year and then he got busy. I got busy. And I was like, oh, around the middle of the year. I'm like, we forgot to do that because he said <laughs> he was telling me about it. He's like, don't steal my idea. I'm like, I'm almost. And so I told him I was on the Slack. I'm like, hey, man, you want me to at least remind you you forgot? He's like, I'll do it. They jumped the gun, did it a few days early. <laughs> that worked. That worked. But, but we made sure it happened. And that was all. No, it was cool. Definitely. Yeah. But th- hey, thanks again for all you do. Thanks again for 2000 episodes and all your hard work. Well, I do it because people listen and, and provide feedback and stuff. So Yeah. And Jace, Jason, thank you for the questions. That's Absolutely. really cool. It gives us something different to do at the end of the podcast. Well, and again, it's nice to know somebody's not just listening and say, oh, that was good. What's next? But, you know, engaging. And again, the questions for this, the, the episode 2000, the crisis Q&A that's going up soon. You know, it's I, I know what I'm interested in stuff, but knowing what you guys are curious about and have questions about. Definitely. I, I love that interaction and, uh, and stuff. Very cool. So we've got some upcoming recordings. We're getting yes. to the point where a few of these I know I'm going to be doing. I haven't exactly locked down the time. I got a back issue spotlight on Eternals 1 through 6 with Eric. Cool. Checkmate 1 through 6 of the original. That's the original Eternal series from, from Jack Kirby. Jack Kirby. Okay. The original Checkmate series from like the 80s. Okay. You and I are going to be doing the original Naomi volume from just like two years ago. Yeah, not that long. <laughs> not, not that impressive. And then Eric and I are also going to be doing the Batman Jiro Kawada Bat Manga first volume. Ah. And then there's a manga of the uh, Super Sentai Go Ranger that we're going to do. Ah. Some of them, like that Go Ranger, is probably not going to come out for a couple of months. Because uh, some of these, it takes a little more time to do the reading, particularly with the manga stuff. Although the, the Eternals, yeah, it wasn't totally fast either. And just a little more time to do some of the editing and stuff. Yeah, exactly. So definitely have some stuff planned. Hopefully people are enjoying what they're, they're hearing on the podcast and stuff. So yeah. Well, I am. I'm enjoying it. I, I just listened to you and Sam today, so I enjoyed it. <laughs> cool. Good. Anything else? No, nah, that does it for me. Awesome. Recording clips for the preview spotlight episodes is easy, and we've got an open submission policy for these episodes. Please send in clips to support the comics you love as often as you can. If you'd like to get email reminders for the preview spotlight episodes, you can join the emailing list on the main page of the comicbookpage.com website. The deadline is typically the second Saturday of the month at 9 a.m. Check the main page of the website for more information and the exact deadline for the next preview spotlight. The show notes and form for this podcast can be found at www.comicbookpage.com under the podcast and forum sections of the website. Please email us at theguys at comicbookpage.com and let us know what you think of what was discussed in this episode. Thanks for listening.